living through one of those changes that historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Continuum, recording on this the 21st of August. I am Dino, and you are? I am Ace. Jesus, every time we do the show and you say the date, I'm like, oh my god, time is moving. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's yeah. terrifying. The 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 <laughs> wheel continues to turn, and I want it to yeah. stop. <laughs> right, yeah, you're just like, oh shit. You know how like when you're uh, when you're a kid and time goes by like very slowly, or like when you're a kid, everything feels, you have this like altered perception uh, between when you're a child versus when you're an adult. Like when you're an adult, time just like constantly keeps going, but when you're a child, everything seemed like it lasted longer, like the days seemed like they lasted longer, the uh-huh. months, the years, just, yeah. Very it takes forever. Phenomenon. Everything takes forever when you're a kid, and yeah. <laughs> everything goes way too fast when you grow up. It's yeah, exactly. Worst. It's like there's no middle road. It's just like nope. It's just like either extremely slow or very fast. Yeah. Um. What have you been up to recently? Oh God. Uh. Not much. I've been so. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> no, uh, the past few days, so I, I was going to say not much, but then, of course, it, it, not much in the sense that not hugely important, but just on Twitter, uh, people have been, um, how should I put this, uh, sort of retarded. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not. And just, uh, yeah, <laughs> just, you know, it, it, it's been going on and it, it's ultimately a thing where like there's this big thing about. I'm not even going to mention who it was, but it was, like, someone who was just complaining about, like, uh, how people don't actually care about the genocide in Yemen. They're just doing it for, like, oh, virtue yeah, signaling I, I points. I saw that shit. Yes. Ugh. And it was... Yeah, like with the NPC the, meme and... Ugh. The NPC meme, yes. So, so this person would rather attack... Uh, the people who are actually trying to bring awareness to, like, Yemen, uh, the injustice going on in Yemen right now, rather than, I don't know, anything else. Like, that's how you're spending your time. <laughs> it's Ugh. just, like, really pathetic, in my view. It's just, like, and also claiming to know, like, why people are opposing uh, or opposed to Yemen. This, like, type of, like, mind-reading thing where it's like, oh, so you know, you know the deepest intentions of this person just fr- from the fact that they... They're opposing the war in Yemen. And, of course, the argument, of course, goes that, well, um, just bringing awareness to it isn't going to stop the war in Yemen. Uh, and they're not doing anything, you know, really physically to go and, and help or anything. So that means they must obviously not care about it, right? But it's just like, no. One, bring. why does bringing awareness not count to trying to help something, right? If, someone, if like some murderer is, like, walking down the street and he's about to murder someone and I don't personally have a weapon on me, me bringing awareness to the murderer where someone else might have a weapon to stop the murderer, that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I did not personally do anything uh, physically, in any physical sense. It's just, like, it's really just a pathetic argument. Well, opinion. part of it, too, is that people are... People have been cooked by the Susan G. Komen critiques, where it's like, yeah, everyone is aware of breast cancer. You're not doing mm-hmm. anything to make people more aware of breast cancer, right? Like, that's not... Mm-hmm. Nobody doesn't know about that. 
You know what I mean? But right. the, the war in Yemen is a very different thing. <laughs> like, if you walk up to somebody on the street and you're like, are you aware that the U.S. is supporting right. and and uh, and enabling genocide in Yemen committed by the Saudis? Right. Uh, people, people go, no, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. It's yeah, not like breast exactly. cancer. If you walk up to somebody and say, hey, are you aware of breast cancer? The answer is yes. I, absolutely, yeah. I am. <laughs> So, like, that critique of Susan G. Komen, we're taking money to raise awareness for breast cancer, is a fine critique, because everyone knows about it. But when you're talking about awareness of a genocide in Yemen that literally nobody knows about, except for, like, anti-war people, and the general population is not aware of it, um, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) And also, you know, it's it's very hypocritical because this person is on Twitter. Um, they complain about a lot of things, a lot of cultural issues that they themselves are not doing anything to physically stop, uh, right? But but so their argument could easily easily be used to um, boomerang back on them and say, well, you don't actually care about these things because you're not physically going out there to do anything about them. You're just bitching about them on Twitter. So right. it, it just comes off as extremely hypocritical. Yeah, if everyone else is jerking off, you are too. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> there's nothing there's I mean, ugh. well, the I just find that critique in particular to be pretty baseless where it's just, you know, you're not you, you're not strapping up and going over this. Everybody thinks everybody thinks that you're not doing anything unless you're like freaking uh, brace from that show whose name I've forgotten now. Who just like actually went over and fought uh, with the anarchists in? Uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Syria, fighting mm, with the okay. Kurds. I could be mistaken, um, but yeah, like it, there was a whole write up about it in the Rolling Stone. Mm. But it's like there's no. Uh, it, that's first of all an outside case. Second of all, kind of dumb. Like I don't, I don't see that. It's just like people going over to fight in Ukraine. It's like it's kind of cringe. Like you're, <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. It's just for me. It's it's more of those things where it's like like if someone wants to go do that, then by all means go do it. But oh sure, but more it, power for, to them. But... The normal yeah, for the normal person, uh, it's like the fact that you know they're not going to go out of their way and do something that doesn't mean it, that doesn't therefore imply oh well, they they don't care about it. Um, it, it's just it, I think it's just like kind of a dumb critique, and it ultimately it's like. As I said, it boomerangs back on them. And, and oh, this this also kind of pissed me off too. They, people do this sometimes, where they'll try to make some argument from like some type of uh, like Austrian economics point of view, but they get it completely wrong or they completely misinterpret what it's saying. Oh, yeah. um, they they tried to argue that well, it's demonstrated pe- preference, right? The, uh, it just shows that it just shows that they don't care about it because they're not physically doing anything about it. No, demonstrated preference just means that when I do something, I am choosing to do that thing over another thing right sure. I'm, I'm preferring to do x to y that does not imply that i don't care about y or don't w- think it's awful and it should end and it also doesn't mean that I, I haven't done things in the past to like you know whether people like have donated or done other things right so like like it, it just it, it these types of arguments just fall flat they're just dumb well, what else is it when you're when you're donating to and pushing for like antiwar.com's drives yeah. and things like that? It's like that's that's doing something. Like right. uh, I don't understand. Oh, speaking of, by the way, uh, still raising money. Just uh, uh, Bennett on Twitter still raising money for his uh, First Amendment uh, uh, appeal. Oh yeah, to the Supreme Court. He's still raising money for that. Um, 
I've retweeted that. Oh, go go retweet it again, so it'll be there and people see it. Um, but yeah, the, the like that's donating to things, like making people aware that donations can be sent. That's stuff. That stuff matters. It's not like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And and also, I don't understand the critique of that. I don't understand it as if if the alternative. It depends on what the alternative is, because if what they're arguing mm-hmm. is. You don't actually care about the U.S. Uh, enabling the Saudis to kill people in Yemen because you're not in Yemen getting killed by the Saudis. Right. Like, right. what? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not me? like I could just, like, end the war in Yemen by, like, twisting my pinky finger a little or something. Right. You know? It's like, <laughs> it's like go take up arms in Yemen and defend the Yemeni people. It's like, I, I'm not going to... Your solution is that I get killed. Right. That's not yeah, a solution. It, right, exactly. So, it's like, and, you know, all these people will be like, oh, well, you know, they they think it's so awful, you know, the, and, and pick any type of, like, cultural, uh, like, outrage going on at any given moment, and these people say they oppose it, but they're not going out and putting their skin in the game against it. So I guess, you know, the by their own standard, the only conclusion we can arrive at is that, well, I guess they just don't care about it, and they're just frauds. And it also exists in a broader context. Let's not forget, too, that part Mm -hmm. of the reason, part of the reason for pointing out the crimes of, that the U.S. is enabling in Yemen, part of the reason of pointing that out is to illustrate that the United States' relationship with Saudi Arabia is sick. It always has been. That the United States, the United States actively covered up for Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11, if that doesn't tell you something about the relationship the United States has with Saudi Arabia, nothing will. Right. And that's part of the reason for talking about it. It's not just about the Yemeni people. Of course, they're the most important aspect of it. But it's not just about them either. This this kind of thing will continue and happen in other places so long as the United States relationship with uh, with Saudi Arabia is as it is now. Right. And that's part of the reason to talk about it. So it's not just yeah. about it, it's not just about raising awareness for Yemen. Of course, again, those are the most important people. They're actively being hurt at the moment. But if not them, it would be someone else, and for the same reasons. Right. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And and as you said, right, most people don't know about this. They do not know about this issue. And also, I'm not going to fault people for being outraged at mass murder, even if they can't fix it. Yeah, <laughs> like that's right. such a that's such a weird thing to go after, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, oh. Well they're not uh, these people are are uh, you know not acting like sociopaths. Oh we well that just means they're, you know, uh feigning this false sense of virtue, right? Which is just right. that one that's not that's not the same as virtue signaling. Virtue signaling is when you you take some action and you try to make it that that may be virtuous, but you try to make it all about yourself um as opposed to like, you know, trying to show that hey, this thing is wrong, right? It's about trying to uh fluff up your own like sense of more moral standing sure. as opposed to like, you know, being against x or y. Yeah, well, it's 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 a it's about self-aggrandizement ultimately. Yes. Um, yes. and and the idea that other people think you are better than you actually are, and yes. and there's no, I don't, I mean, I've I've never, I've never claimed to be better than I actually am. I've never seen you claim to be better than you actually are. Right. There's no, and no one, no one who goes out and says talks about the war in Yemen. No, I've never seen like a libertarian or anarchist on Twitter talking about Yemen who actually thinks. 
I'm ending the war in Yemen by talking about this. Like no one, I don't, I've never seen anyone have that sense of like, uh, so like that inflated sense of ego there to find that. So I I don't see it as being self aggrandizing at all to talk about something like that. It's ultimately, I see it like this. Ultimately to me, that kind of take echoes like, it's cool to not care. Like it's cool to not exactly. Give a shit, you know what I mean about exactly, anything. Yeah. It, it reminds me of high school. It's a high school mentality where it's just cool to not fucking care. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I don't and, buy and so that. I, I put it out. Yeah, exactly. I put out this tweet. It's like I would rather live in a world of like self right or uh, like righteous indignation as opposed to like where everyone is just like an apathetic shithead. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying like you people have to be outraged about everything at every given moment in time or you care. In fact, I, I'm very sympathetic to people who are just completely apolitical and who don't care. But with that being said, I, I think the world would be a better place if people were outraged at things they should be outraged at. Um, uh, yeah. The, By and large, yeah. that's yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I've always, and I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get the perspective. Well, Cause to me, like it's cool to not care about shit that you shouldn't care about. You know right. What I mean? Exactly. But yeah. uh, the United States enabling an an, uh, uh, an active genocide is not on that list. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's a separate thing. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like uh, other aspects of government that it's just like I don't give a fuck about EPA. Who fucking cares? I'm not concerned. Um, when they steal someone's property, that's when I care about them. Outside of that, they're useless. Uh, right that kind of thing if anyone heard that that was my discord i don't know why it's going off um yeah the i i just don't i i I don't understand it i should say i do understand it i cannot sympathize with it in the slightest right at all it doesn't make any sense to me um and again it's it's not breast cancer the 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 average person is not aware of this and another argument that this person tried to employ was that well you know uh, most Americans don't care about this issue um, as if like as if he doesn't understand that that's the entire reason they're trying to talk about it. Yeah. Is that, most yeah, Americans, most Americans don't. <laughs> you don't have that data because most Americans don't know about this issue, which is why they're right. talking about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or that, well, you know, uh, most people are going to find more things more important that are, like, in their proximity, right? Uh, okay, that doesn't mean that these people shouldn't know about it, <laughs> like, that, well, what this I is mean, going on. It becomes in your proximity when people start driving planes into buildings! Right, I mean, this is the exactly. Kind of thing. It's exactly this foreign policy <laughs> that leads to shit like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, people don't care until they care. I mean, as we talked about that a little bit on the last episode, it's 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 very much um, it's very high time preference thinking, if you will. Yes. That it's like, well, there will be no consequences from this. Are you crazy? uh, Just like this recent raid on uh, Mar-a-Lago by the FBI, uh, you know, there's conservatives who were saying, you know, abolish the FBI. That sounds great to me. Um, I'm still a little skeptical on (laughs) How how um how much they actually hate the FBI versus how much they hate the FBI being used against them? Oh, it's know? factionalism. Yeah, it's just factionalism. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. I mean, it's I'm not so a happy principle to see it. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm so happy to see it go around because absolutely, uh, you know, uh, that gives people an opportunity to say, yeah, this is bad. It always has been bad. Uh, and this is why you should oppose it. So absolutely, uh, anytime you see a conservative, like, kind of inching closer, yeah, try to plant some seeds there. But I'm still going to be skeptical of, like, how committed they actually are. To oh, they're not. I, I don't think yeah. they are. I don't think it's a principal thing. Again, I think it's just no. factionalism on their part. It's Almost, like, uh, almost the, like the, the way IRS they thing. About it. Yeah, it's like, oh, the FBI was fine up until recently, then started going after the Patriots, right? It's like, oh, okay, I see, I see where this is. If they had framed that new IRS hire as we're going after illegal immigrants who aren't paying taxes, like, they, it would be totally flipped. Yep, absolutely. So I'm, I I don't think it's a principal thing for the, again, the IRS hire thing, have you seen some of the response to that? Yeah, Man, yes. people are up. So I don't like it either, but yeah. <laughs> it's like it's I, also not new. Like right. the, the IRS has had SWAT teams for years. Uh, like <laughs> that fucking have... training video that's going around. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> dude, that is the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these morons! It's like they're there's like they are absolutely inept. At handling yeah. firearms, they've got a guy in a wheelchair with a handgun. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> There's one person on Twitter who posted a thing that was like, I'm ready, I'm ready for the IRS, and he's holding a Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is one of the funniest things. You mentioned you yeah. mentioned the Mar-a-Lago. They want to get off on the IRS. Yeah. You mentioned the Mar-a-Lago thing, and there is some updates yeah. on that. Um... So the that was very smooth, by the way, the way you got to that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> behind the curtain, we knew we were going to talk yeah. about this, and Ace just massively yeah, led for, right into it. <laughs> waiting for the perfect segue. <laughs> it was great. Um, so the uh, the the Mar-a-Lago thing, uh, they they released the receipt. Uh, the receipt, uh, and the, uh, oh, I forget the actual name of the, the property receipt and the warrant. They released, uh, those two items, a magistrate judge released those to the public. Um, it just says what they're looking for and what they grabbed on the receipt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's does what that doesn't tell you is why they're there. Right. That information is not contained in the warrant or in the, uh, in the property receipt. So mm-hmm. the the what the reason they're there is contained in what's called a probable cause affidavit. And this is the affidavit that uh if you think back to the Breonna Taylor story to contextualize, if you think if you think back to the Breonna Taylor story, this is the thing that was lied about that the officers lied on to get that warrant. Right. Um the same thing happened in the Tuttle case. Uh, uh Regina Nicholas and and, and uh, Tuttle whose name I forget his first name. Um when they were killed in Houston, uh, Officer Goins, as I understand it, allegedly, I have to say these words, uh, lied on the affidavit to uh, to get the warrant. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that affidavit. And that affidavit says what information they have and why they're there. Yeah. This has not been released to the public with regard to the Mar-a-Lago raid. And it is, uh, they're trying, the Trump team is trying to get it released. Now there was a, there was some assumption that they would fight the release of the warrant. And that ended up not being the case. The Trump team absolutely wanted that warrant out, which tells me Mm -hmm. they truly think that they've, that they've got nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, why are they even here? 
Um, and now they're trying to get the probable cause affidavit released. The problem is, apparently, the probable cause affidavit uh, references their source, the FBI's source, which who they are who they are trying to keep confidential. They're trying to protect their source, and um, so they don't. Want, the DOJ does not want it released. Uh, the Trump team said, "We'll release it in redacted form," and the DOJ said, "Redacting is going to make it useless. We we would have to redact practically the whole thing." So they're trying to negotiate the release of the probable cause affidavit that led to the warrant that led to the raid. <laughs> and it's it's I, I'm look. There's the whole issue is weird to me. Mm-hmm. I've I have only heard and I haven't been keeping abreast of this to, to any great degree. Yeah. But I have only heard that they went after uh that they went after Trump for having classified information. Yes. And first of all, having classified information, uh my girlfriend described it as the tax evasion of politics. It's like, it's, it's what you go to if you got nothing else. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, but having classified information for a former president, um, is sketchy. (laughs) By my understanding of it, the president has unilateral, if I could just spit into the Michael Harder, the president has unilateral authority to declassify whatever the fuck he wants. Mm -hmm. As I understand it. And I'm not sure if there's an official process that has to be gone through, but I doubt it because the uh, the executive order uh, that led to that to that made this rule basically is um, it, it, like it, it applies like in conversation. You know what I mean? As well, yeah, so like at will. Right. So I'm not sure. I, 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 I truly don't think that they have anything on Trump. I would assume... Now, you you made a good point uh, earlier when we were talking about it, about the delineation. Can you make that point between between Trump being... Um, like, like, how they might get him in trouble on it? Oh, yeah. So, um, some people are trying to say that if he... If, if the information was not classified... Or, sorry, declassified... Before he left the White House, then the uh, the argument um, that he would be legally liable for what he did here, um, that that's their essential case. They're saying that well, if he if he took the documents out of the White House before, without declassifying them prior, then he, they may have a case against him. Uh, but I, I think we were talking before. Also, it's like well, if he's if he's still present while he's leaving the White House and he takes them out. Isn't that a kind of a form of declassification in some way? I, I'm not a legal expert, so I can't say. I, I, look, I don't know the law surrounding this, but I, yeah. I, I would think that Trump's team would argue that, look, your last act as president was declassifying that information because you kept it as yeah. you became a private citizen again. Right. In some sense, he's declassifying it to himself. Right. Uh, by, you know, yeah. I mean, that would be my argument. Again, I don't know the law surrounding this, but that would be my argument. Yeah. If if it's true, assuming, again, the law around this has been so heavily politicized, it's really hard mm-hmm. to find uh, any good write-up on it. But um, if if uh, it would be my argument that, look, if he can declassify information to any private citizen, then his last act as president was declassifying this information when he kept it. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean that, yeah, that, that to me seems reasonable. Yeah. And also, you know, and this is just purely like speculation, but how many other presidents have had like quote unquote classified information? All of them. All, all of them. them. Yeah. All of them. Again, it's the, it's the tax evasion <laughs> politics. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's everybody. I mean, not just presidents, but, but fucking Congress people who are on subcommittees right. that have access to this stuff. Yeah. They've got this shit. It's not weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know, you don't think that some president sometime had scribbled some classified information on a napkin or something. Thing or they're in his Absolutely. house or something, you know, just a piece of paper, you know, something like that. <laughs> like, they take better care of the, they, before, before they were released, they took better care of the 28 pages. You had to go into right. a, you had to go into a secure room to view those pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. Like they took better care of those pages than they do classified material. Yeah. Uh, again, tax evasion of politics. Everyone does yep. this. Yeah. Literally everyone. It's not weird. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to definitely have some type of like, um, uh, you know, almost Streisand effect where now people are going to be more receptive to the idea that Trump is being attacked by, a, you know, a deep state type thing. And uh, yep. that could very well embolden his base uh, in 2024. It's martyrdom. If they actually put him in jail yeah. for this shit, he's a martyr. It's hundred oh, percent. It's, it's a terrible idea. For one, like, okay. Um, obviously, you know, we're no fans of presidents, but from their perspective, from the perspective of the politicians, no one really, no politician really wants to be the first politician to put another politician in jail, because then they're like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, now imagine that going, standard will be used against me. Yes, imagine going tit for tat. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not gonna, because yeah. there's no way. I mean, just the Hunter Biden stuff alone. Right. Like just that stuff, the the evidence that's there that Hunter Biden and several other politicians kids were given positions in foreign governments because of purely by for nepotistic reasons, if not yeah. uh something even darker than that. Like like right. uh, it's not <laughs> you <laughs> you don't want to open up this Pandora's box. You really don't. Right. <clears throat> Especially Biden, which is why I'm curious why the DOJ is even doing this. Because I would think that the Biden White House would say, what? That's all you've got? No. No. Don't act on that. Yeah. I remember people speculating that he had nuclear codes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I think they saw on the property the receipt, they saw something related to that. But it's mm -hmm. like, but that stuff doesn't stay static. Like, <laughs> right. the, so the, so what he's got is, I mean... What he's got is probably not even relevant anymore. If if he has right. any information on the on the nuclear arsenal, as far as like codes, which is not even a real thing. Like it's not like your fucking computer. You don't put in a password and the nukes fire. Like that's not how that works. <laughs> the nuclear code was just shit, Lord sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Lock her up four twenty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, even Hillary. Think about that. Hillary Clinton. He he yeah. he ran on locking her up and dropped it immediately. Yeah, because and exactly. it's not like you can't find that evidence. Right. Yeah. Like she's fucking killed people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> allegedly, if she's listening, Hillary yeah. Clinton. If you're listening, allegedly. Yes, allegedly, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, you're a murderer. No, yeah, I'm gonna have to stay away from hot tubs and single engine aircraft. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <it's> a... 
Oh man, it's not like again. They don't. Nobody wants to open this Pandora's box, and I'm blown away that Biden's yeah. doing it at all. I'm, I'm blown yeah. away that Biden would not tell the DOJ what are you doing? Stop. Because if they lo- if Trump gets locked up, as you were saying, that's going to one make him a martyr. That's going to embolden his base, and then the next people who get elected on trying to stop this injustice, they're going to try to arrest those people, the, yeah. uh, their enemies too. Yeah. So it's going. And if yeah, they find just, any inconsistency in the affidavits or in anything, if they find any inconsistency whatsoever, they're going to immediately start putting people in jail for perjury. Yeah. And those inconsistencies exist even in the cleanest cases. Like, there are little inconsistencies right. that happen. Right. And you can, like, pick them apart and stuff like that to try to make your case. Right. Like, yeah. Absolutely. So it's 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 ridiculous to me. Even outside of that, um, <clears throat> the, the, the conservatives are very hungry for a martyr. Um, oh yeah! Oh yeah! They absolutely. really want it. Did you see they, what the dude at the? I can't remember what conference was it at CPAC where the dude from I think it was Turning Point was it Turning Point? Um, put himself in a in a jail cell at the conference. No, I did not see this. Yes! Oh my god! I have to pull it oh up now. Oh my god! Um, yeah, he wow. was. <laughs> he made the, the, a deal. I have to make sure I've yeah. got the right guy. Um, uh, Hopefully, it was Charlie Kirk. Let me just look for this. Okay. Yes. Okay. So at CPAC. Um, okay. Uh, a CPAC booth organized uh, by a convicted January 6th rioter was set up as a mock prison cell inside which a man was pretending to cry while attendees were made to hear testimony from Capitol insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Uh, the conservative political effort uh, CPAC, blah, 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 blah. Um. Uh, yes. The booth was set up as a mock prison cell, inside of which a man in an orange jumpsuit was seen crying. The guy in the in the jumpsuit was, uh, the guy who started Walk Away. Oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. The booth okay. was run by the pro-Trump walkaway campaign founded by right-wing influencer Brandon Straka. The identity of the man in the cage cannot be independently verified. Okay, so people were saying that that was Straka, but it might not have been Straka. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, if they go actually do try to imprison Trump, uh, there's not there are a few narratives more powerful than a savior being martyred. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It kind of gets uh, people to be fanatic. Uh, you know, it, you don't it say. Kind of go yeah, and you know, like the the savior to martyr uh, uh, pipeline, um, that's going to embolden his base like nothing else. Um, so I'd be really surprised if they actually tried that. I okay, think. people think that the guy who was in the booth was struck in the cell was Straka, and he was, but he was convicted. Um, uh, in the he was convicted in the riot in the January six riot. He was convicted mm. of the charges against him, and he got. A sweetheart deal because he cooperated. Oh, so he, he sold out other people. He sold out other people, supposedly. I mean, assuming. I mean, that's what that usually means. Um, yeah. Snitched on other people and then puts himself in a jail cell to pretend oh to God. be like. And this is the thing. And I talked about it on Twitter. This is the thing that bothers me about the conservatives. Like, again, they've got no principles. They pretend to care about people in jail cells. And it's like there are actually people in cells having like suffering from heat stroke right now because there are no ACs in Texas prisons. Right. And also Rikers right now. 
Yeah, Rikers especially. But here's the thing about Rikers that nobody fucking knows. And I didn't even know this. Rikers mm-hmm. is not a prison. It's a jail. The yeah, people it, yeah, in Rikers right. have not been convicted. That's right. They're, yeah, of that, anything. Yep. yep. The people in Rikers are presumed innocent by the law. Yes. And they're. <laughs> yeah. And they're fucking being killed in this in this yep. hellhole. Yep. Presumed innocent. Yeah. Ugh, I didn't even know this. Yeah. I thought Rikers was a prison. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about that um, a couple months ago when people were talking about how it wasn't. Uh, and it's like, yeah, these people have not actually even been convicted. What are they at now? 12 or 13 deaths in that jail? I saw, yeah, I th- like almost 14 or something like that last I heard. Something uh. like that. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, going back to your point, though, conservatives, they don't have any firm principles. So on one hand, right, I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, yes, I like when conservatives pay lip service to anti-state rhetoric. That's good. You know, it it, it makes the uh, the feel-good chemicals in my brain go burr. Uh, that's nice. <laughs> um, but I know, and and like, or I have a good assumption that most of them only act like this because it's being done to them, and they're not doing it to people they don't like. Right. That is the only like. And we 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 kind of know this because it's like, where were you when all these other people were being imprisoned? Sure. Know? Now, if it's actually a genuine thing, if it's actually like a genuine change, then I'm all for that, right? If they're like, no, I, you know, this this opened my eyes because obviously, right, everyone has an eye opening moment. Oh, look, there were a lot of people who left the thin blue line camp after Uvalde. Like, like when something yeah. happens and you see the true. Um, uh, not just incompetence, but willful uh, negligence committed yeah. by the state that allows people to die um, while they're arresting parents outside. There, there were a lot of people who left the Thin Blue Line camp after that. Yeah. So if you like have a genuine like eye opening moment like that, and you actually change your beliefs accordingly, I'm all for that. Absolutely. And those people should absolutely be like. You know, those beliefs should be fostered and nurtured. In Absolutely. People. I mean, I think that, I, you know, so if you're a conservative who has a, who's having like a genuine change of heart here, you know, welcome. Um, but I, I fear that a lot of them are only <laughs> doing this as a rhetorical bludgeon. Yes. Um, I don't think um, most of them are actually honest here. Right. It, it, it's like <laughs> you shouldn't. I, I always feel like for people who are pursuing political power you should never you you should have a stronger skepticism to what they say when they're out of power versus when versus their actions that they do when they're in power right so obviously uh if they're saying you know all these things it's like are you only saying this because you're out of power and you want to you know develop sympathy or pity um it's uh and i find and mind you this is not unique to conservatives. Liberals do this all the time too, and they and they do it more in some cases. Uh, so it, it's just like no one has principles, um, and they only use like rhetoric of freedom when they're out of power. This, right. this happens constantly. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think um, I, I think generally you have to be cautious. Uh, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst. Uh, exactly. As far as this type of stuff, as far as these type of things go. I agree. And, but that's the thing, just like this, they they, they got a guy pretend a uh, snitch <laughs> yeah. who got a who got a good deal, right? Pretending yeah. to be in a jail cell, 
Um, right. Supposedly, this I'm not sure. I can find no one who says that this was Straka for sure, but I, I, I assume it was. Um, for like pretending to be in a jail cell, pretending to be a victim of state violence, basically. Yeah. Um, while like there are actual victims of state violence who are when he ratted out other people who right. suffer state violence. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> the other thing too, so far, do you know how many, there have been over 800 indictments, uh, and arrests related to the January 6th riot. Oh, okay. really? I didn't, I, I did not know the number. Yes. Um, of those, how many, mm-hmm. just make, make a wild guess of those, how many have been indicted on charges of conspiracy to uh, commit sedition, sedition, insurrection, anything related to that? Oh, actually charged with that? Actually charged with that. Uh, convicted as well or just charged? Um, well, a lot of them are still in the pipeline. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I guess... Uh... <sighs> Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I'm going to say very low. I'm going to say not many. Uh, Eleven. Yeah. Ten yeah. guys. Ten guys who were part of a militia organization. Right. They were. They were the only ones. And how many of them were FBI agents? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like eleven or twelve, I think. Um, the but you can see there's a whole list. Uh, the the DOJ has a list of all the people who have been uh, arrested and charged in in connection with January 6th. And you can if you search for insurrection or sedition or anything like that, there's 12 people who have been charged with that. 11 or 12. Yeah, I can't remember if it was 11 or 12. <laughs> but you can just control F for it in the charging because there's a whole uh, there's a list of the charges there. It's it, most most of them. It was property damage, um, riotous behavior, like things things related to riotous behavior, uh, trespassing, that kind of thing. Right. For everyone else, that's what it was, except for like twelve people. So you yeah. would think if it was an insurrection, out of eight hundred people so far arrested or indicted, yeah, you'd... you'd think if it like you'd actually have a lot more charges of conspiracy to insurrect. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I've seen, uh, like, there's these videos of, um, like, there was this video of a woman, like, she's a very, she was an older woman, I think in her 60s or 70s, and I believe she has to serve, like, six months in jail or something for that. Uh, she got convicted. She, mm-hmm. she was a part of the January 6th riot. And, you know, you have all these people, like, oh, celebrating, oh, you get what you deserve for trying to overthrow our country. It's like, I'm sorry. That is a 70-year-old woman, and mm-hmm. you're celebrating that she's going to be in a cage for six months of her life. Well, it's, and it's that a... You think, and that you think she was, there was at any danger, at any point, yeah. that this woman was going to constitute an overthrow of the United States government. Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, it was... It's, I've, I, I like calling it the unguided seniors tour of the Capitol. Like that's all it was. Yeah. They, they did a, it's, it's very much like if you recall when we talked about the Sri Lanka thing, how they were talking mm-hmm. about just how violent the January 6th thing was versus the people in Sri Lanka who just walked through the presidential palace. Like it was a museum or whatever. Were, Meanwhile, they burned down his house. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, they burned down the president's actual residence. <laughs> and right. it's like people in the, in the U S on January 6th were literally walking through like it was a museum. 
Yeah. <laughs> there was one officer who felt threatened enough to shoot somebody. Right. Like, and... and, and Go ahead. What's up? No, I was just going to say, like, they'll talk about, like, well, how is a trespass? And, like, the hell is it? Well, both these are trespasses. Yeah. Um, me driving a truck through your house is a trespass. And also me, like, tiptoeing through your yard to get a baseball out of the yard. Those are both trespass. Exactly. They're, they're not in any way the same thing. <laughs> like, you can't, just, you can't just leave that without, you know, describing what exactly happened there. And also, for one, I don't think they were actually trespassing. That's their – they own that house. They own <laughs> That property. That's, um, that's the point too. Is it's just like uh, why, like um, there, I remember a long time ago, people were saying that. Uh, oh, what's her name? I've forgotten it now. The woman who was shot. Um, uh, Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. People were saying that Ashley Babbitt was trying to be like, if you would get shot, if you were beating down someone's door, and it's like she was beating down her door. She, she oh, yeah. that also, door. These people. These people are mass fucking murderers inside that building. <laughs> and you're telling me, like, 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 if someone, like, if there was some local mafia that was responsible for killing both people domestically, in, um, imprisoning them and caging them, um, who, and it was an ongoing thing where they kept doing this, um, and it was just constant, like killing people um, over outside their town, and also uh, kidnapping people within their town and killing people and kidnapping them at the threat of death. And someone went in to go, you know, uh, to go in there. Now, even if it wasn't the reason they were doing it, are we really going to say, oh, yeah, those, you know, those mass murderers had to protect themselves from these people? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's insane to me. And I just don't I just don't understand it. But in any case, that's the that's an update on the Mar-a-Lago thing, I guess, and very quickly got off track. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the that's what's yeah. going on with the Mar-a-Lago thing. And for this uh, again, it's, you got a guy at CPAC pretending to be. I don't think we talked about this when it happened. This is a relatively old event, but uh, pretending to be in jail crying, and it's like you you sold out other people. You got a sweetheart deal, and there are people literally dying who've been convicted of nothing, dying in a cell. Yeah. Like yep. what? Fucking idiots. <laughs> Just assholes. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's terrible. Man, the amount of people... I complain about this all the time. But the amount of people who are in jail right now and have been for years on cases of mistaken identity. Oh, God. It's just yeah, people, people who are in jail for years on cases of mistaken identity. Yeah. So if somebody, if you got somebody in Rikers who's been in Rikers for three years because they can't get cases to move, somebody's been in Rikers for three years and they die in jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is that any different from from uh, uh, executing an innocent person? It is executing right. an it's innocent just, person. It's, exe- it's execution. Your 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 means of execution is just time. That's exactly. what, right. It's just confinement and time. Uh, so. So yeah, it's it's absolutely horrific, and you know the mistaken identity—that's awful. Uh, and it's just like like that's the thing. Like also like having discussions about like uh, because I for listeners who don't know, I'm a prison abolitionist. I believe that prison is not just economically bad. I believe that it's also immoral. Um, but uh, even if someone isn't a prison abolitionist, right? Um, I believe, and and uh, if I'm uh, wrong, you can correct me on this. But I believe. Almost 90% of convictions are from plea deals. Is that correct? That is 100% correct, yes. 
Okay. Now, I'm not saying that all these people who took the plea yeah, deal. In fact, I, I don't and think I'm it's not, almost. I think it's a little over. Yeah, I think it's like 96 or something. Yeah, <laughs> like not, it's 90. Um, but, yeah, it's it's in the 90s yeah. range. It's not it's not 80 something. It's in the 90s. Yeah. So on that point, I'm not saying that uh, the people who took plea deals are innocent, right? Uh, I'm not even saying mo- maybe most of them are guilty, but but if if the per- if you have the presumption of innocence um, uh, first, right? You you start with the presumption of innocence. In my view, a plea deal is a form of co- uh, coercion. It's a coerced confession. Uh, in, in many my, in cases, in many cases, they are because one of the things they'll do, and this is supposed to be illegal, but one mm-hmm. of the things they will do the, the, the there's a there's a concept called the trial penalty. Okay, right. and this is uh, I don't know if you've heard that term before, but many people haven't. Um, it's it's what happens when someone turns down a plea deal. So it's it's roundly been considered unconstitutional, but mm-hmm. it, it is something that prosecutors and judges do every day. In state courts. And what they do is they will, and probably at the federal level too, uh, but they tend to deal with different types of cases. But what they'll do is if you refuse the plea deal, there's an offer of 15 years. Let's say you had an offer of 15 years on a 40-year max crime, okay? Uh, They offered you 15. You turned (laughs) it down. At your sentencing, they're going to give you 40. Right. Because you turned down the sweetheart deal. That would have been fine. Right. 15 years is all that's necessary, obviously, or you wouldn't have offered it. Right. Exactly. But you turn down that deal and then they put you in in prison for the max at your sentencing because they, they decided that you turning down the deal was this grand insult. And now you get to be in prison for the maximum when 15 would have sufficed. And everyone knows right. 15 would have sufficed because that was the offer. Right. Why would it, Yeah. If you think this person deserved more, you wouldn't offer them the 50. You wouldn't offer them lower in the first place. Right. Uh, you know, so. Right. So, yeah, uh, it has this like background of coercion behind it. Uh, so it's it inherently be, and, coercive when they say we're going to yeah. give you 40 if you don't take 15. Yeah, what? exactly. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, so these people are like, holy shit. And often, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I can't claim, I can't prove that they're innocent, but all I need to do is prove that while they had the presumption of innocence, they were coerced into a confession. Exactly. Or coerced into accepting a plea deal. So that's all I need to do. I don't need to prove that they're innocent. I just need to prove that, which I think is actually fair. fair exactly. And it gets worse when they do it because they do it to retards and people who are on the people who are on the cusp of retardation all the time. They mm-hmm. and kids, yeah. they'll like they'll right. like they do it to all kinds of people. And it's and it's it's like, you know, piece, piece of what someone might say is like, well, uh, you know, they might acquit, they might acquit you, you know, you might not get that time. So is it really coercive? But my, my argument, then my response would be, well, if you pointed a gun at someone and it was like a form of Russian roulette where not all, there were not bullets all throughout all of the chamber. Right. But only, there are only two bullets in the six shooter. It's like, sure. You know, maybe when they pull the trigger, that bullet's not going to fire, but it's still coercive in the sense that they're pointing the gun at you. They're yes, exactly. Exactly. And and you're also in a position too. I mean, you got to think it's almost like the, uh, not to make a cringe fucking pop science reference, but there's like a Schrodinger's cat thing where it's like, uh, you got a 50% chance that when you open that box, the cat's dead. Right. You know what I mean? 
And if you put yeah. a person in that situation, it's like, uh, there's no yeah. choice. You don't take a 50% chance you're going to die. And you yeah, you can't trust that, you know, especially like, especially when, when they're telling you, we know you did it or type, that type shit, mm-hmm. just confess. That you, at that point, you as a person mm. are going to feel like, oh, they're going, they're going, you know, they, they probably are going to try and they probably will succeed in convicting me, you know? And I mean, especially if we look at the history of like uh, courtroom cases and the type of evidence that's used to try to convict people, uh, it's certainly not um, an unjustified assumption to assume that, oh, these prosecutors are out to get me. Yeah, well, they always are. And this is the other thing, too. Yeah. The, the the cops, when they're trying to get that, that deal, when they're trying to get a confession out of a person, the cops can the cops can legally lie to you about whatever they want to lie about. So yeah. if a cop says, uh, well, we found your fingerprint on the gun, your DNA at the scene. Well, that's not that, that doesn't have to be true. They can just right. say it. Yeah, you're and not really, allowed to lie to them legally. They're allowed to lie to you. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. It doesn't. It, it's it's not necessarily true when they claim to have certain evidence, especially in a uh, in a uh, in a uh, in the course of an investigation. When you're actually uh, when you're meeting with the person, the 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 suspect, they're allowed to, to say whatever they want to say. Yeah, they can lie about anything. And if yeah. you don't say you want an attorney in just the right way, they won't give you one. Oh but, God, there is there was some story a while back. Um, that just infuriated me where uh, some guy asked for an attorney, but he's like, I want my attorney dog. Like, you know, a dog and like, you know, as a per- talking to another person, you know, a bro, a dude, sure, you know, sure. in a slang type way. And they did not give it to him because they said, we didn't know what he meant by an attorney dog. That they was what they tried. They to couldn't. They were trying to find a dog, like the meme that I have. That's, yes. that's the the Doge with the glasses and the yes. suit. Yes. My client is a female. Yes. I do not wish to defend it. That they were looking for that guy. Yeah, yeah, they were looking <laughs> for that guy. Couldn't find him, and then didn't give him an attorney. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're the worst. The absolute yeah. worst. They're- Oh yeah, you have to do yeah, it in just the right way. I want my attorney yeah. right now. Yeah, I want an attorney yeah. immediately. Yeah, don't speak to cops. Just say you want your attorney. Don't just don't speak to the police. Do not do it. And just saying the word attorney isn't really even enough. Like you have to say, I want my attorney immediately. Yeah, those are the only words that should come out of your mouth as soon as you're yeah. arrested. I want my attorney immediately. Yeah. Uh, God, yeah. it's and, ridiculous. Yeah, so like, even if someone isn't a prison abolitionist, right? Um, if you believe in the presumption of innocence as a general rule, which I hope you would, um, then it seems at the very least you're committed to favoring that ninety six percent of these people who are in prison deserve at the very least retrials. At the very sure. least, sure, uh, absolutely. So, so yeah, it, it, that's just been uh, something that's been like kind of bugging me because it's like I, I feel like when once you go down that road, you realize like, oh, you can't really defend this logically. Like if you if you if most people and I, I most people I assume believe in the presumption of innocence, even if they might you know might not understand what it entails, everyone kind of has that intuition 
um, of that being like a good thing or a correct thing. It's yeah. uh, there's not. It's again. I, I've been thinking. I've been thinking a lot about this idea of a system of justice. Right. Uh-huh. What is a system of justice supposed to accomplish? Right. And I saw this too when you were talking on Twitter with people, and their yeah. constant refrain was about punishment. Right. And I was thinking, like, what does that accomplish? What does punishing the wrongdoer do? First of all, you have to ask whether you're actually punishing them. Because there's a reason that we call prison con college, right? You, you <laughs> go to prison, you come out a worse criminal, and you went in. Yeah. There's, I and mean, there's that's, a lot of data to back that up. That's absolutely. Not just, uh, you know, it's a common problem. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, well, it keeps other people from doing crimes. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't. Because there's nothing backing up the deterrent effect of law. Right. It's it's an idea. And also, and also but there's no data know, behind it. There's also a thing where it's like uh, it's it's very arbitrary. Like, well, why is it, why the the sentence, the prison sentence that you gave him, why is that the correct sentence and not this? You know what I mean? Sure. So there's a there's also a big field of arbitrariness that comes with that as well. Um, that I think a lot of people just don't ever think about. And, and but back to your point though. Um, like, like, yeah, um, if you believe that punishment is the role of the justice system, uh, as you're saying, it's like, well, but, but, but what does it do? Right. It might feed this really like this sense of like retribution that people feel, but oftentimes it's uh, the, the punishment is so disconnected that most people don't even get that feeling anyway. You right. know what I mean? And, and here's the <laughs> thing too. You get somebody, you get somebody who's out there who killed someone, right? And you say, well, we got to keep yeah. this person out of society. What you, what you're actually saying is you got to keep this person out of society for 20 years with good behavior or right. for 15 yeah, exactly. years of good behavior or for 10 years if they sign a plea deal. Right. Out in five. Like, what are you yeah. what are you even talking about? What, 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 what is what are you trying to do? And right. The, 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 it doesn't work. It just doesn't fucking work. And it, also, of course, the prison system now, what, what actually happens, what actually happens now is uh, someone commits a murder. Um, they go to prison uh, unless they work for the state. But, you know, uh, sure. they go to prison. <laughs> and then what happens is. The victim's family pays for their room and board uh, through taxation. That's exactly uh, well what I argue. Payers. Yes. That is as my well primary argument payers. against it. My primary argument yeah. against it is that it further victimizes the victim. Because you have right. you have a victim now who's, who's being taxed to pay for this person's living expenses. Yeah. And then people will say, well, then have the family pay for it. And it's like, but no. Why? Why should they? Here's the thing. If you've got somebody who, let's say somebody's a drug addict, right? And they uh-huh. uh, they kill someone uh, in the course of a bad drug deal or anything, right? They just go nuts and kill mm-hmm. someone. Okay. Chances are that family's been victimized by that person as much as anyone else. There's yeah. a reason that you can't trust a drug addict with your fucking safe code, your PIN number. Right. So, so the, the, there's the, 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 the idea that you then force their family to pay for it. You're further re-victimizing them. Cause this person's committed right. crimes against them. They never reported. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense either. And then you, so you eventually get down to, well, the state has to pay for it in this kind of system. Right. There's no other way to and, do it. And one of the criticisms of like restitution, right? So, um, because that's obviously the system I favor. Of um, course, of course. Any system of justice should be geared toward making the victim whole. 
Right. And in fact, I, I, I struggle to conceptualize justice in any other way. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of seems like that's only how it could be in my, right. in my view. But, um, I, I, I can't. Yeah, so I can't. It doesn't make any other sense in any other way. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. Because it, no, no, you're fine. But I, I, and you made a really good point. But I, I think it's also a point where, like, if we're talking about if the if the point of the justice system is retribution, then it seems like most people, uh, maybe who aren't libertarians, could favor just going out every day, finding a person on the street, and killing them publicly in the street to say this is what's going to happen if you don't uh, if you don't follow the law. You know what I mean? That type right. of thing. Just to scare people into not committing crimes. If that's the main whole purpose of the justice system is retribution and, or sorry, prevention. I meant to say prevention earlier. If, if you, the idea is that, well, we want to, you know, use retribution in order to, like, make us make them a symbol of this is what happens when, you know, um, you don't do what we say. You could do that in other ways that we would find horrendous. So sure. it seems that you can't really just base this on base it off of well we want to you know uh, we we're using retribution as a preventative mechanism because I, I just don't think that holds and also going to the restitution argument um, people will often uh, counter argue that well it seems very lenient and light um, that this is happening right so like um, Bob Murphy uses this um, thought experiment in um, his book Chaos Theory when he deals with this explicitly. Um, and he, he, he says that, um, I think it's great. Um, he says that let's imagine, and this isn't the exact wording, I'm paraphrasing it, but uh, sure. this is basically the, the same beats of this argument. Let's imagine that the only penalty for murdering another human being is that they have to pay $5 to the victim's family, right? Um, now, obviously, this sounds horrifying at first. It sounds like, hey, how can that, that doesn't seem just at all. But then, of course, how it would play out in reality is uh, the victim's family could just murder the murderer and then just have to pay back the five dollars and probably not even then. Right. <laughs> so. So, you know, uh, in some way you, you could still it, it's not that. So even though I'm opposed to punishment as a general rule. That also includes people who go out uh, like vigilante, like someone killed my daughter and I'm going to kill them. I don't want that person punished <laughs> either. Right. So I think that on on average, the system that I advocate for in restitution actually um, is just more just overall than any than any other like um, contrarian points. Or, Absolutely. Or and if you have a and you, you you can add a wrinkle to that argument, too, that's that's. Basically, you have a jury system of justice for a reason, okay? Yeah. And as much as people hate juries, and as much as I sometimes hate juries, mm-hmm. uh, because juries yeah. are dumb and can, and can be led down a garden path by a I prosecutor. I like ideal of juries. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. But the, <laughs> but the truth does remain, though. Even with juries now as they function today, yeah. juries generally have a pretty idea, a pretty good idea when given all the facts of what the just outcome is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the idea that like you see this in civil cases all the time, right? Um, yeah. The and and I, regardless, yeah, I, like, I actually like civil juries more than I like criminal juries. Sure, uh, well, because you have the problem yeah. of the prosecutor in the yeah. in the criminal right. context, where you have yeah. cops and prosecutors who have inherent uh, inherently the public trusts them, and so you're you're basically fighting a losing battle from the very beginning if you're trying to defend somebody who's accused of a crime. Um, the the jury is is going to trust the prosecutor more. I mean, they just do that. Uh, and and defense attorneys are 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 you know uh, uh, considered to be uh, publicly considered to be bad people, right? So you have yeah. um, 
you have that problem as well with the jury pool. But in civil, in civil, in the civil context, right? You see this all the time. You see, juries are very, very good at determining what a just outcome is, so long as they're being right. given all the facts. Um, and the the it, it happened if you consider the McDonald's coffee case, and people hate the civil system because of the McDonald's coffee case. But that case, um, McDonald's spent a lot of money making people think that that case was old lady spilled hot coffee on herself. Sues McDonald's gets millions. Yes. They don't talk about the fact that she was given coffee. That was far too hot. Yes. It it left like horrible burns on her. Dude, the pictures are, uh, dude, that those pictures nearly made me puke. Yeah. Um, it's not just like, Oh, here's some normal coffee. I spilled on myself. I like a million dollars now. That, that, that's how it's framed, as you said. That's not at all what happened in no, the case. No, not at all. And McDonald's fucking lied about it and lied about <laughs> it. And they even, they knew that, too, the people who were making that, the people who had set up that coffee, they were making it way too hot anyway. It was far <laughs> beyond what they were actually trained to do. Yeah. Right. So, so that, that argument just doesn't work anyway uh, that that case is what the civil system is in a lot of people's minds but civil civil juries tend to be really really good at figuring out what people are owed and yes they put a price on death all the time that's what a wrongful death suit is it's better you know i forget who said this there i i don't remember so i can't attribute it so i'm sorry but there's a a quote out there that said you know if you think it's disgusting um that people put a price on a life it's worse when you live in a society where there's no price to life. Exactly. Uh, it's much worse, actually. There's uh, a system. The, the civil system is rooted in this idea of the... Uh, uh, there, there was a Roman system of law whereby... Yeah. By the way, personal, personal uh, cases like wrongful death and things of this nature uh, and, and like negligence, you hurt someone or whatever, all that stuff was part of the private system. Of law, yes. I think a large majority of Roman law was private, from what I understand. Well, I'm not yeah, an expert. It's, on that. it's everything that you can do to another person was pretty much private yeah. law. And again, it's all been put in criminal statute now. But yeah. uh, that was all privately handled. And there was a I forget the word now, but there was a what what the what the uh, what the Romans called damages, right? And I forget the mm-hmm. word for it, but. They had a a system of damages and determining damages that was written down. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, if you if you take somebody's arm out of commission, you hurt somebody and cripple their arm, this is what they're owed. Yeah. Like that was all laid out. Right. It's 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 very similar to the way we do things now, with the exception that now we have juries who say, This is what you're owed. Because you make you have to make a right. case on damage. You have to say this is what yeah. I could have done with this arm. This is what I could have made. Plus the fact of the pain and suffering and emotional problems and yada yada yada. And also, like I think it's an interesting point to um, kind of uh, differentiate like the civil system of law and the criminal system of law. Um, because, um, like from what I understand, and I could be completely wrong about this, but from what I've read, from what I understand. Um, the, the state often, uh, when, when the state uh, does something, when the state says, we are going to be the ones to like settle who was wrong and who was right here, or like if a crime had been committed, oftentimes it's couched in this type of verbiage that you have uh, committed an affront to our society. 
so the state is kind of taking on this role of it's not that the victim doesn't exist, but they're in some sense almost minimized to where they should be. Um, to where the state is like, this was a transgression against, um, um, I, you know, our law, essentially, right. as opposed to this other person. And I believe, from what I've read, from what I understand, this goes back to uh, times in monarchy, where the king would essentially um, say, this person uh, is essentially my property. Um, and you've hurt, when you when you've hurt them, you've hurt you hurt my person. Uh, right. In some sense, and that's why they would, uh, in some sense, take the case upon themselves, right? Um, and essentially distribute uh, vengeance because the state know, owns you. So if you do something to harm yeah. the state, this uh, so if you do something to harm the state, pro- the state's property, they're going to come after you. For yes, it. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. that, from what I understand, that's kind of the history of criminal law as opposed to uh, civil law. Right. Um, uh, the the term I was looking for was the delict, D E L I C T, or delictus. Oh. Um, that was the, that, and it was, we still use that word actually, a uh, Latin word. Mm-hmm. We still use it in law to describe the, a place where damage happened. So, um, in conflicts of law, you might have a case where somebody was hurt in one jurisdiction and the negligence that caused the hurt happened in another jurisdiction and the case is brought right. in a different jurisdiction. Well, now you have to pick whose law to apply. Right. So, right. um, there's a there's a concept in conflicts of law called lex loci delicti or lex loci delictus, and that's the the place of the law of the place of the damage, or the law of the place mm-hmm. of the harm. And so we we still use that term, and that's and that's one of the things that again again it was a system, it was a very clear system of private law whereby it was mm-hmm. like this is what this is worth, this is what your arm is worth. Now we do it with juries, and people have to make their case. Hey jury, this is what my arm is worth. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it works. <laughs> there are yeah. problems every now and then, and but it works. Yeah. And like, people will talk about like how, well, uh, sometimes, you know, they'll say that, well, you know, things could fall through the cracks. You know, uh, the, there could be some type of injustice. It's like, yes, this could happen in practice. Um, it happens right now and the outcome is far worse because prisons exist. And yeah. because when the bad things do go wrong, when there is some uh, mix up, um, instead of a person unjustly paying out money to someone else, they're put in prison. Absolutely. Let's take a bird's but, eye view of this system. Just real yeah. quick. Okay. Half of crimes are reported property and mm-hmm. violent. Okay. Of those crimes, which are reported, Half of those result in a closed case in the case of a violent crime, and a quarter mm-hmm. of those result in a closed case in a property crime. Yeah. Okay? So you're solving a quarter of violent crimes or closing cases. You're closing cases on a quarter of violent crimes and on a, a, a quarter of half, which is a, a quarter, obviously, of property crimes. Mm-hmm. So you're, that's, that's the breakout largely, right? Of the criminal system. Of those cases, which you close 96% are not 96, uh, 90% plus. I'm not actually sure what the, what the actual percentage is. You said 96 earlier. So it's stuck in my head. It's yeah. I'll, I'll look it up now. Actually 90 some percent of those are closed with coercive plea deals. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so you have a system by which nearly 100% of closed cases are closed through a coercive means 
and only account 90 to 95 okay and only account for less than half of actual crimes (laughs) yeah in all cases less than half of actual crimes yeah because a and lot of mention, going and not even to mention like nonviolent crime, right? Not even to mention the nonviolent crimes that people sure. are in prison for. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, property crime especially. They they don't solve property crimes. A quarter of reported property property crimes get closed, and uh mm-hmm. of the, only about half of property crimes even get reported. Yeah. So it's it's and by nonviolent <laughs> I meant I meant not violent or property. You know what I mean? Just sure, like right, drug. right. Well drug use, right, yeah. is the classic example. Yeah, yeah. Uh yes. drug possession. So, so you have <laughs> the way this system breaks out is fundamentally flawed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I often think like people just. I'm really glad you did it because I think a lot of people just don't understand the math involved in how this breaks down in a mathematics sense because it's like it's really pathetic. Uh, it's really and, uh, bad. People say, "Well, no. If we went to a restitution-based system, it seems like justice wouldn't wouldn't be dispersed." I'm like, "No, we justice is not a thing now. Yeah. Like it does. They're just not like, dispersing it, justice at the moment. In fact, at the yeah. moment, the victim has to pay for the for the feeding and right. housing of the the perpetrator who harmed them." Yeah. And mind you, while I I don't favor retribution as a general rule, if let's say, let's take the case that, you know, someone's child was murdered and then the parents go out and murder the murderer. Um, in my system, that person's not going to jail uh, and likely they're not going to pay anything out either. Uh, he said, I'm sure a jury would likely say, nope, we're not doing, we're not awarding anything to anyone <laughs> in this case. Yep. Um, but whereas if that person did that in this system, um, there's a good chance they'd go to jail for at least for at least a couple of years. They might be obviously, you know, you could say there would probably be lenience versus someone else, but still, but still, uh, the chance that they'd go to jail in this system is infinitely higher, a hundred percent higher than if they would go to jail in a restitution basis. Right. So, and there's like, no, and even if you can, even if you can win a, a wrongful, let's say it's wrongful death, let's say there's a murderer, even if you can win a suit. Against a person who killed a loved one, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you can win that suit, you're not getting anything out of it because that person is now in a cage and can't work. Right. <laughs> they're judgment-proof, definitionally, because they're stuck in a cage. Yeah. Right. So they'll have that judgment hanging over their head for the rest of their life, and maybe if they get out in 20 years, by then they're retirement age. Right. So, like, there's there's no... It doesn't... It's not functional. <laughs> And also, I think what people so um, not to delve too much into like theory, uh, but I, I do think there's something interesting about like the way the libertarian kind of framework would um, would deal with these type with with law and things like that. Um, and, and often it's not without precedent either, because oftentimes um, um, libertarians have found uh, like different types of polycentric or common law that um, had this type of law system institutionalized prior and because when people think of like prisons um oftentimes that's that they just associate that with law in general law prisons law prisons right but that that's not necessarily a, an eternal association that's always been the case um in, in fact so like if you had a society without prisons let's say um uh, people would often think about well under a libertarian system if there's no prisons then it just seems like that they, it's too lenient. But, but let's take the theoretical case of, uh, let's say someone 
finds a way not to pay restitution, right, somehow. Um, or they just avoid it somehow. Whatever way you want to imagine. Um, they'll say, well, if we can't imprison this person, then what's the response? Well, in, in some societies in the past, what would happen is the legal system would just say, okay, you're not going to play ball with us. Um, we're not going to play ball with you. And they would essentially make this person an outlaw or legal. Uh, they would blacklist them legally, and they would essentially say, "Anyone, if anyone hurts this person or damages their property, we will not prosecute you. Because this person is not going to play ball with us. We are not going to legally protect yeah, his rights. This person has um, refused to make any reasonable attempt to pay the judgment. They're yeah. not doing it. They're avoiding it on purpose. We can We can mm-hmm. show that. So we're denying this person the service of the legal system. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in some sense, because that is fully within their rights. You do not have an obligation to enforce other people's rights under a libertarian framework. You can absolutely say, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to violate your rights, but I'm also not going to enforce them for you. So well, it would be the same fight. thing. It would be the same thing as a law that forced people to, uh, like, let's say a law, a law that forced someone to shoot someone who's threatening someone else. Like, you have right. to you have to defend these other people. Nobody, that's not a law anywhere. And it's not yeah, a law exactly. anywhere, by the way. Like, the like good Samaritan laws yeah. are, are largely a myth. Um, yeah. They don't exist. Uh, yeah. Check your local laws. That's not legal advice, yada, yada. But. Yeah, yeah. Largely, they're they're entirely a myth because there's yeah. also another issue, too, where if you do it wrong, you could be subject to civil liability. So, like, if you try to save someone who's drowning and you do it wrong, <laughs> right, you could be subject to liability for that drowning. Right. Um, but but uh, like if, if at if that case at, at that time, let's say, right, um, if a person knows that, OK, my choices are. I can play ball and I can, you know, uh, pay restitution to the people I've hurt or anyone can kill me and they won't be prosecuted for it. It's like, hmm, decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> decisions, decisions, right? So in, in the, the two likely scenarios here, obviously, that they will pay restitution, maybe begrudgingly, but they will pay it or they will exile themselves out of that society. At which point, um, Bob Murphy brings up um, a, a certain type of theoretical institution that I think is interesting, which is in some sense a voluntary prison, which would be this um, this institution, this place of work, let's say, um, in which uh, this institution will say, okay, you're a criminal, you're an outlaw in XYZ jurisdictions. Okay, fine. We will welcome you. You will stay on the premises. Uh, we will allow you to work for your stay here. Um, and maybe we'll work with other legal authorities so that uh, some of your uh, product can go to the victims' families. But but um, if you will not receive our protection if you leave our premises. So in some sense, they're exiling themselves to uh, essentially um, you know a prison in some sense, a prison they can leave technically, but it's still a prison in which uh, they're only protected while they're there. And That's not very much like the private prison system now in some ways where they have prisoners doing farming or industrial applications, whatever it is, and getting paid nothing for it or very little. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very similar to what we have now with the exception that the victim actually gets paid. 
Right, the victim would get paid, and the the prisoner could leave, but they'd be, you know, risking uh, going out to a place where their rights are just not protected at all. So they, right. uh, they would encounter vigilantes uh, fairly soon. Um, right. But yeah. well, I mean, this is the other thing, too, is you have a situation where, okay, so if I'm someone who harmed somebody, okay, if let's say I let's say I killed somebody, let's say I killed somebody's kid, um, and that person comes after me to kill me. Okay. Mm -hmm. No other legal proceedings have taken place. That per I killed this person's kid. They know I did it. I killed them. If you could prove in court, or they they killed me rather. If you could prove when their estate or whoever represents their estate brings a case against me for wrongful death, if I can if I can show, look, there's the evidence that they did the thing that I killed them for, and I killed them for it. A jury. Again, juries are pretty good at determining what's just. Yeah. The, the he needed killing defense is never used in those words, but right. it absolutely works. If right. it's true. It's the same like, juries, oftentimes, even if it's like, even if it's illegal by the letter of the law, technically, uh, juries can just say, nope, we're not, we're not doing, we're not going to. This is why, prop- this is why justice is separate from strict morality. Like the, we we right. have a we have a the, the concept of justice must be separate from a strict morality because of situations like that where you have mm-hmm. like you know if you if you kill someone who killed your kid uh, right. assuming they did it intentionally and not as an accident or whatever but you kill right. someone who killed your kid no one's gonna say you didn't you did anything they, they might say you did something uh, immoral but they're not gonna say you did something wrong right. Right, At, or it's the type of thing where it's like this might be technically unjust, but but uh, it's not. I would do it in your situation, type thing. Right? Exactly, exactly. Kind of understand that and say, I would do that in his situation, and then I'm just not. So I'm not going to prosecute. Sure, I'm not going. I'm to, not gonna. Yeah. This person's not responsible for this. What they did was totally understandable, and. Uh, Maybe not totally reasonable, but it could be reasonable. <laughs> so, like, no, yeah, fine. this isn't this isn't yeah. a uh, this isn't a situation where I'm going to Im- impose any penalty on this person, or if I will, it'll be a nominal amount. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it'll exactly. just be enough yeah. to cover the cost of burial or something. Right. Exactly. It, it's one of those things that it's juries are pretty good at that. And I had somebody ask when I was describing this. I had somebody ask, "How is it not a nap violation if you kill someone who hurt you or your kid or whatever?" Um, it's it is. But it's not, it's not strictly unjust. <laughs> it, it is an app violation. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, so there's certain things where it's like, you know, uh, it, it can be a nap violation, but it can also be like, I can understand that. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, it, it would be unjust to, to impose the full penalty of a wrongful death on a person who did that. It would be unjust. Yeah. I, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, um, I don't think I can't imagine like any and if there was a court like this, then I think we have more serious problems. But I feel like if there was any court that was like, well, we're going to come down with the full force of the law on you for what you did here. I would view that as like shitty. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? I mean, that's what we have with the state right now. They do it all the time. Exactly. And exactly. people get off because the jury is like, no, I get it. Yeah. Um, or they give them or they uh, will do like a lesser included or something like that because they feel that they feel that there is a 
uh, when there's a lesser included offense, people feel that um, that they can go with that, and it's like a less bad thing. But really, it's the almost, punishment is the felony on your record. Doesn't matter how long you're right. in prison. If you have a felony on your record, you're basically excised from civilized society anyway. So exactly. And there's um, there's almost like this uh, two way type thing where it's like it's um, it's not unjust to look the other way, right? Right. Like if someone does something that might be um, unjust in by the letter of the nap, let's say, or something, right? It's not unjust to say, huh, okay, I'm not going to do anything about it, and right. I'm not going to prosecute on a jury. Sure. That's not unjust. Someone That's fully within your rights to do. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of where, like, jury nullification comes from. Exactly. Uh, so, that's why judges hate it. There's a, there's yeah. a whole, uh, there's a whole, in my criminal law book, there's a whole screed written, written by this judge about how jury nullification is a betrayal of the, uh, of the democratically elected legislature's, uh, will, and thus the people's will. Uh, the jury nullification betrays the people's, it's no, it's not something a jury should be allowed to do. And it's like, uh, it's like. Bullshit. Hard disagree. <laughs> yeah. The whole idea of a jury is that we're going to take their peers from the place they live or from the place that this occurred in, and they are going to be the final deciders of whether this person is. Because you know what I mean? Because, like, in one sense, this has always been my interpretation is that the legal structure, right? Um, like, the jury is the one part that it does not necessarily have to follow the letter of the law as it's as it's written do you right. know what i mean yep like, everything else there they have to follow the the things to the letter of the law or at least ostensibly but the jury is like with the jury with jury nullification in mind can be like yeah that's what the law says i'm not going to do anything about yeah, it no i disagree exactly that's the thing that the the jury is there to fill the gaps where the law doesn't exist the jury right. is there to fill the gaps to decide first of all are these witnesses trustworthy? Like, uh, they're the finder of fact, right? It's their job to, to sift through what's presented to them and decide this is what happened. Right. And that's what they're there to do. And the, yeah. the, they, they're the finder of fact. They have to determine that. They have to determine whether a witness can be trusted. They have to determine yeah. all these things. And so, yeah. and as part of that, they have to determine whether the application of the law in this case is appropriate. Right. Because maybe maybe someone did do something like uh, uh, like wrong or unjust from like a legal or a nap standpoint. But maybe they're genuinely a good person and they don't deserve the penalty from the jury's mind. Uh, that That's also something that could factor in. Sure. I mean, just like in that situation that I described, if I hurt somebody's kid <laughs> and they come kill me. Uh, I can't, I don't think if I'm on that jury, I'm not saying that they're, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying they have to, I might say they have to pay for the funeral. I might say, you know what, yeah. you, yeah. you have to give a re whatever the median cost of a funeral is, you owe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's it. That's as far as that yeah, goes. I, I, yeah. Like, uh, cause there's no, I don't know. It just doesn't. Uh, anti-carceralism. This is the interesting thing about anti-carceralism is that mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't an anti-carceralist until law school and, uh, specifically talking to my girlfriend, but, um, law school generally, like once I was exposed to the, cause I was mm -hmm. one of these guys who as a kid, and I have to say as a kid and, and probably into my early twenties, I was one of these guys who was like, Oh, the civil system's ridiculous. 
Like you can get millions <laughs> of dollars for nothing. <laughs> and in some cases that's true. Sure. But but by and large, it actually works pretty well. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd still rather like someone get millions of dollars when they don't deserve it versus someone getting prison when they don't deserve it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. If we're if we're talking about it, every system is going to be imperfect. If we're talking about imperfect systems, I would rather have. Some, yeah, exactly. I'd rather have somebody with a judgment against them who maybe doesn't deserve that amount uh, than somebody in fucking dying of heat stroke in a Texas prison. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because of a case of mistaken identity or because they yep. agreed to a coercive plea deal and were told yeah. people do it every day. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's, that's not even a question for me. And the other thing too, is if you have enough, if you have enough cases and if that's the only way that you handle it, you get rid of the, of the criminal law in that, in that sense. And, and that's the only way that you handle it. People's, the the damages arguments can become much more reasonable because you have a lot of points of yeah. comparison. Right. So you can defend against it. You can say, no, he wasn't... He uh, That arm's not worth $50 million. Are you kidding me? No. That, <laughs> I mean, that's... You know, there's several cases where people, you know, maybe got, you know, uh, a million or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway... That's that's a lot of getting off of the what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am happy with that because we did. There there was a conversation happening about this on Twitter specifically, mm-hmm. but um, just generally I've been thinking about it a lot. And uh, and I, I don't think a system of justice that's not focused on making the victim whole is a system of justice at all. I agree, 100%. Because the, the it, it's an attempt... To make, and I did want to make this one point, and it's it's following something you said when you were talking about prevention. Mm-hmm. Law and the legal system, as it will always exist, is reactive. Yes, uh, there there is not a proactive side to law. Right. You can only take care of something once something's already happened. Right. Right. That's the only time and you can take legal action. Pre-crime. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so when something in a pro in a, uh, I'm sorry, in a reactive system, there's not a proactive angle to defend, right? But they have to come up with something, like crime prevention, right? Or, or, or the deterrent effect. And it's like, you're the, making these yeah. things up. These things yeah. don't exist. And it's like, also, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, uh, so I disagree with like imprisonment as a general rule, but if it, if we accept that prison is justified, let's say, and and for some reason, let's say you know this person deserves seven years in prison or something, but we're gonna tack on more because we want to really send a message of deterrence. It's like I would view that as horribly unjust. Yeah, <laughs> like the added on. Are you kidding me? And if like, yeah, and if your argument is if your argument is well, we have to keep these people out of society. Just fucking kill them then. Yeah, exactly. Why are you? Why are they in there for that arbitrary amount of time and then released if you feel like they can't? Like, like it just seems so arbitrary to me. If like, you really want to, if you if your concern is really that these people are kept out of society, just kill them. Right. Yeah. That that would be more consistent with their argument. Uh, than saying, well, they have to go here for an arbitrary number of years and then they come out. Uh, there's also, you know, as we said before, they they tend to come out more violently. Yeah. And also... They come out um, a better if criminal. If, if you're a convict, uh, your ability to get jobs uh, in the future 
is dramatically reduced. That's the th- uh, that's exactly right. You're base again with a felony record. You're basically excised from civil society already. Yeah. You're not you're not going to get jobs. You're not going to get uh, which you will know, lead you to more likely to commit crimes because obviously you can't. Uh, you're much likely less to have a, a good life uh, without being able to right. you know do criminal activity. Yeah, because you're not you're not going to have any income unless you start selling drugs again. Because now you got a felony yeah. drug. Now you have a felony drug distribution charge, right. and so no, you can't go get a real job now. Yeah, and any and anything you do at that point's a crime. Uh, carrying a gun, for example, like yeah. well, now I'm not allowed to carry a gun because I have this felony drug distribution charge. But I have to carry a gun because the only job I can get is distributing drugs. Yeah, so it's it's one of these things that becomes cyclic. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, god it's fundamentally broken fundamentally broken and again it's everyone everyone who was arguing kept using the word punishment right and i'm like these aren't children they're, right they're, they're not like, gonna respond to spankings right and it's also like one of those things where it's like okay also like there's two ways there's two different arguments people can go for to try to justify the punishment the uh, retribution angle right one is we tackled already which is prevention right well we're punishing them to send a message either to them or to other people uh you know but but that also strikes me as pre-crime it's like so you're just doing something to prevent something you think they might do in the future that it strikes me as just completely pre-crime, and I reject it fundamentally on that basis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're talking about the, in relation to the perpetrator themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so on that angle, I reject that. I reject that as pre-crime, and I, I would completely view that as unjustified. Another angle they might argue for is, well, it might make, uh, you know, that's just what they, it's what they deserve, right? But... But yeah, just that's completely. They just deserve it. It's like okay, from where from where are you basing this? Because that seems like uh, maybe they do deserve it, maybe. But that's not the the, the point of the law. If you just if you're completely if you're saying that well they just deserve this well what does the victim deserve yeah well I mean they just why, deserve why do you this. care why do you care what the criminal deserves right <laughs> why what about the victim I don't know that but That's again the whole point they just deserve this is totally subjective they just deserve yeah. this for how long exactly they just deserve this for 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 what reason and are you and is this in relation to anything else like are we comparing a third strike drug offender with a murderer because they're getting like the same sentence so right exactly well, so they deserve it because they've done it more okay well what why is that the objectively correct basis <laughs> like yeah is is possessing drugs the same thing as murdering someone is that is it is it the right. same level of morally bad right I would say not even close. <laughs> yeah. So what do you mean yeah. by deserve? I mean, that's that's ultimately it, it becomes so subject at the, at the point where you're arguing they just deserve it. You've lost. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because there might be a lot of things they deserve. Maybe there perhaps. might be a lot of things that all of us deserve. Right. I mean, that's the thing, so, too. You think about like, every bad thing every single person has ever done. Uh, there's, right. there's a I, lot I of like us that deserve a lot of shit. Separate, we have to separate like this almost like karma mentality from law. 
right? Right. To where it's like, you know, there's this thing where it's like, that person's a bad person. And maybe you get you get off by like when you see bad things happen to bad people. But that should not be the purpose of the law. The law should be trying to restore the victim. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because if you're going to say that we are legally allowed to act uh, to stop something from happening, right? So if you're saying that uh, we are justified from stopping an encroachment into another person's boundaries, you're, the basis of what you're doing is you're saying you're not allowed to encroach upon another person. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that framework is entirely dependent on you doing something bad to someone else and, and then trying to mediate that or fix that or either stop it or fix it after the fact. Right. Within that framework, I don't think you can get to, therefore, we can punish them. That's something else entirely that you've just invented uh, entirely out of, you know, something. You've just asserted another principle, but that has nothing to you can't get there from the framework of. We are justified in stopping them from doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, there's, and, and the, the concern is always repeat offenders, but again, just kill them. That's pre-crime to me. Right. Like, you know what it I is. mean? Like this. <laughs> and if, if you're not just going to kill them and you're convinced right. they're going to offend again, why would they ever be let out? Exactly. I, it doesn't, that, that to me doesn't make any sense either. And there are certain cases where people's response is, yeah, we should just kill them. And it's like, right. uh, okay. I mean, you, you, if you think that for a specific things, sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can agree or disagree, but uh, at least it's consistent. I think that's at least more. I think that's at least more consistent than saying, uh, you know what I mean? Because there's also this thing of like in um, in rights-based theory, in libertarian theory, right? Um, and I think I think this is actually something Rothbard kind of like ignores, in my opinion, or kind of like I, I don't think he comes to the correct conclusion here. But there's this thing where it's like from the libertarian perspective, right, from just a purely non-aggression principle based perspective, you are within your rights. Um, as long as you're not aggressing, but that principle does not say that you lose your rights forever if you've ever aggressed. Right. right. And this is where the arbitrariness comes in. Um, and this is ultimately what leads me to think that the libertarian position should be um, uh, anti-incarceral or, um, you know, uh, uh, anti-punishment like as a legal theory. Um, and here's the thing, too. If you spend what? the rest of, I'm sorry, if you spend the rest of your life yeah. getting wrung out because you decided to kill someone, mm-hmm. uh, that sounds like punishment to me. Right. And, and, and yeah. that's, that's okay. In some form, it is. Right. Because it's one of those things where it's like, it's not that I don't think, like, it's not that, you know, I'm opposed to things happening to this person if they've done something wrong. It's about it's the just why. The focus, it, it, it's just, it's, it's the focus should be on the victim and not, I'm not doing this just to harm you. I'm doing this because this person deserves something because you harmed them. Exactly. That's, that's the point. You, you so, must, in the interest of justice, you must make them whole. You yes, must exactly. do everything that you possibly can to make them whole. And if you can't you do must, that, yeah. if you're if you go all your life not doing that, then your possessions, your estate goes to them when you die. You you right. you don't you a, a, a jury of your peers has determined that this is the the wrong that you committed can only be repaid this way. So and, repay it. Right. And it, because like the the point about like, you know, 
if I just if you commit a rights violation against someone else, right? I think there's only two positions, two coherent positions you can draw from this. Either you're still you still have rights after you do this, like you don't lose your right to like be free um, after you commit a rights violation, or you lose your rights forever. Those are the only two positions I think are that are coherent. Um, and most people aren't willing to go the latter. Right. Uh, because anything else is just arbitrariness in between. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, no, you lose your rights for seven and a half years and ten seconds. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so- also, I, I mean, to that to that point, actually, you, you, make a, you, 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 you make me think of something. It's absolutely true that it's difficult to put a price on a life. But what are you yes. doing when you put a murderer in prison for X number of years? Exactly. And with or without parole. Exactly. That's just you're putting, putting time on a life. You're putting time on a life. What's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There isn't one. It's the same thing fundamentally. The only difference between yeah. the two is that again, one is actually going trying to restore the victim. Exactly. The in, a, in a restorative system of justice, you're actually trying to make sure the victim gets something out of it. Yeah. yeah. And there's no. I, I, I just don't. And see I know it can be uncomfortable for people, and I can understand it can be uncomfortable for people to like follow the logic to this extent i can understand people feeling uncomfortable but that to me that seems like it will we can be uncomfortable this is just where it leads this is just where the logic of this leads if you believe people are within their rights while they're not aggressing then it does it seems to me that or if you believe that people are within their rights to the extent that they're not aggressing uh then that's just where it leads it's like you don't get to like you know you can't say that well i um I, I don't know. I, I even, you know, let's give them the best possible case. Someone murdered someone 45 years ago. I do not. Thin view of the nap. Now, okay. maybe, hold on a moment. Hold on a moment. You said yeah. 45 years ago and then it cut. So start oh, with sorry. 45 years. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, if someone murdered someone like 45 years ago, I don't think someone in the present now can go torture that person under the strictest like interpretation of the nap. Now, maybe sure. that person it will get off. Maybe that person will like will say maybe the jury will say, yeah, you don't owe anything to that to the victim at all to the victim's family. Right. And you can just get off. But but that's something else from saying that, well, the nap implies that they can go do that. That's and something in, else entirely. In old crimes like that, people get off people get off on, on them now. Right. Like, it's not like there's nothing impervious about the system of justice that we have now that causes exactly. old crimes like that or situations like that. People get away yeah. with it all the time. Right. It's not it, it's not that wild. Uh, again, and often, and correct again, me if I'm wrong, but... If they've never, like, let's say they, they got away with it or they were never charged and you go kill that person, that person who killed them still might face some legal penalties now. Exactly. Uh, so And generally do. So, like, you get you yeah. get taken up on a charge. If you go kill the person who, I don't know, molested your kid or whatever, if you go kill that person, you're going to face charges now. And what's going to happen now, probably, is that you're going to get convicted of a lesser included. They're, right. they're going to give so, you a manslaughter instead of a murder because the jury feels bad for you. Exactly. And that's still a felony on your record. You're still excised from, from civil life. And all, all those yeah. all of those uh, uh, consequences apply to you. I didn't expect this episode to turn into like an arguing for prison abolition, but I'm happy. <laughs> I have me too. Uh, I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I, I just, again, I, I wasn't an anti-carceralist until I went to law school, mm-hmm. which I think says something. I don't know what. Maybe, maybe then I'm an idiot, but it says <laughs> something. <laughs> like once you once you become familiar with the system and with the alternatives, yeah. like civil system still exists. This is another thing yeah. too. Not everything you can't just criminalize everything. The civil system still exists. Right. We didn't get rid of it when the state decided to write down everything that you could possibly do wrong to another person as a crime. Right. We've still got the thing. So there's some value to it. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Private law. Private law is the way to fucking yeah. go. Absolutely, it's so much better (laughs) it's actually functional Um, and you can make the the cool thing is I find this with a lot of libertarian arguments you can make a consequentialist case that hey this is just better uh, just in like if you just have this like if you if you're just feeling like you just care about the consequences of an action and you just don't really care about like the means at all uh i i still think the private law system wins in that matchup oh, yeah uh, from a consequentialist yeah. angle think about if, if their crime was against if you're, you're going to talk like like uh, if you're going to make the consequentialist or and and even the communitarian argument you can make the communitarian mm-hmm. argument where it's like if if the victim is society society is paying for their living expenses yes for however long they're they're incarcerated right if they're if in and again like like you said from a consequentialist perspective what good does it do to imprison somebody when when you could be they could be being productive and helping to make the victim whole yeah but that's not but but no again this punishment thing everybody was using that word punish Punish. and I'm like what what's the why the focus on that right it's so weird to me. It seems like everyone. It seems like everyone is just focused on that, and and then not I considering. Feel like people have this like, there's very much this like, you know, my feelings should influence the law, right? My emotional, like, I can understand, and I don't mean to demean like people's like. I, I look, if someone like murdered my family member or something like that, I can't say I wouldn't go do exactly what they would do. But that's a different thing that like what I would do is not necessarily the same thing as what can we derive the law to be? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, exactly. Those uh, the, are two different things. The goal of a justice system is not to uh, make somebody feel bad because they committed some moral crime. Right. A justice system is meant to achieve justice. And I don't think justice right. just means putting somebody in a cage while the victim pays for their meals. Right. Like that doesn't or make like any generating sense. like or generating like feel good juice in your brain. Right, right. <laughs> so, Making society know, yeah. feel good about things. Yeah. Right. Uh, meanwhile, again, again, just uh, to to reiterate the 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 uh the uh bird's eye um sort of context of all of this. Half of crimes are even reported. Yep. Less than half of those reported crimes get solved. Yep. Crimes of all types. And of those that are solved, over 90% of them are solved through the coercive means of the plea bargain. Yep. So. <laughs> in which you can't, and mind you, when we say that, we're saying that we cannot, we, the plea bar, the coercive plea bargain means that we cannot say uh, <laughs> that we have proved beyond a reasonable doubt that this person actually committed a crime. That's right. what that means when right. we say that. 
Right. Or you're trying to, one of the things they're doing, they're pushing, pushing on them so hard now is because they, uh, there are too many cases. Again, you have people who are presumed innocent in a cage for upwards of yes. two, three years. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because they can't get a trial date. Because right. who are the, presumed innocent, right? Still, right. in the cage. And look at Rikers. That's what happened. That's what's happening in Rikers right now. Exactly, dying in jail, not prison, jail. Yeah, unconvicted of any crime. Yeah. So there's no. I, I, I can't. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy the retributivist argument. I don't buy. Uh, I don't even buy the rehabilitative argument, frankly. Oh, that's. A, I didn't even bring that up because I find that to be such a joke. Like, that, oh yeah, my, my personal thing. Maybe maybe that's presumptive of me, but it's like I didn't. I I didn't even consider to address that argument because I think it's just a, such bullshit on on the face. Okay. Some people are just criminal. Like, I mean, that's just the 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 fact of the matter is some people just hurt people, and they right. just and do also. It. And also the people who, who, you know, who do something, let's say you, you think they did something bad and that they could uh, be rehabilitated, often they come out worse. Exactly. <laughs> so it's doing the opposite of rehabilitation. Yeah. I've never, I've never bought, I've always thought that the, the, the rehabilitative argument was a little Pollyanna. It's one of those things oh. where it's like, you can't, uh, there are some people who just can't be rehabilitated. And I think it's a number of, of, of criminals but who also, are just can't do that. Even if you think they can be rehabilitated, uh, or even if you think that they can, prison is certainly not the place. To no, do it. absolutely not. It's not going to happen there. Um, and you know, you see, you see in like in countries that focus a lot on the rehabilitative thing, you do see lower rates of recidivism. And so yeah. there's certainly, but there's a lot of people too who, if you throw them in jail and hit them with a felony, uh, they wouldn't do that again anyway. Right, exactly. So it, 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 that's such a good point too, right? Because it's like on one hand, the people who are who are going to commit crimes when they come out, they're going to do that anyway, right? Uh, to a certain extent. And also, I, I should make my point clear: if you have evidence, if you have good evidence, uh, and now you know there's practical problems with this, but I do believe you ha do have a right to restrain someone in some cases permanently if you can prove that they're an ongoing threat. Right. If you can prove sure. that this person is a constant ongoing threat, then I do think you can justly under under the non-aggression principle restrain this person as as if they are con are a continual threat. That's I, I, I do not argue against that. The question uh, that people, people always ask, that's like, yeah. what do you do with a serial killer? Like right. someone who someone whose whole brain is geared toward killing other people. Right. Like and in that the, case, if a person is just continually showing themselves to be a danger, then yes, I do believe you can consistently restrain that person. Um, I think that's perfectly fine. But uh, oftentimes you don't, I think those are edge cases and you don't, you can't necessarily show that to be the mass majority of prisoners. Right. right? Well, because the edge case is that. now, especially because the edge case is now, not only do you have that edge case in a private system, in a mm -hmm. uh, private restorative system, those edge cases do exist, and you got to find a way to deal with it. That's absolutely the case. Yeah. The edge cases now is innocent people dying in jail. Yeah. So <laughs> if we're going to talk about edge cases, <laughs> again, if, you're, if, if we're going to start weighing the edge cases, because it's very much a consequentialist argument, if, you're, if we're going to start weighing the edge cases, now is worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll take the edge. Yeah, I'll exactly. I'll take the edge case, uh, the, uh, the the potential bad outcome in a, a, um, a civil 
society, like in a, a law that has like civil law as the basis, as opposed to the edge cases that happen in criminal law. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd much prefer that. Exactly. Um, boy, howdy. Okay, that's a good conversation. <laughs> I'm happy we talked about that. <laughs> um, uh, that was absolutely not, that wasn't even on the list. Uh, it was not even something I went into this episode going, hey, we should talk about this. <laughs> That's why I love the show. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, the justice system and the fact that it doesn't really provide justice, uh, I, I did want to talk about this. I wanted to make sure to get to it. Um, yeah. These cops, man. Again. What do you uh, think? Oh yeah! Imagine my shock. Um, yeah. it, it's it's eerily reminiscent of. Do you remember when the cops were using civilian vehicles as cover? Oh my god! The, in that yeah. highway, when, when the UPS got hijacked, yes. the UPS truck got hijacked. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, the cops using civilian cars. So why don't you talk about this? You, you you wanted to bring this to us. So what happened? Yeah. So this was a uh, Denver police body cam footage. Uh, that just got released. Um, I'm not, I, I actually, I have not read this per, this article in particular. Um, I, I don't think they know exactly what caused the police to chase this person. Uh, but I, I think that's not exactly itself important itself to like what actually. Uh, it looks like it was um, a fight. It looks like the guy who they were uh, shooting at the suspect was mm-hmm. punching another guy on okay. the street so, outside right, of a bar. So, they, so a bar fight. Right. So ultimately, they chase this guy down, and ultimately he they they get him to stop. He um he throw he he grabs a gun to throw out. Now maybe so ultimately, if you, whether you think the cops were justified, so they they ended up shooting this guy, right? That's that's one of the parts. Um, uh, because that he reached into his pants and threw out a gun. Now whether you think that that is a good shoot, right? Whether you think that that part was good because they shot him after he threw the gun out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they shot him. Uh, it seems that as he was like pulling the gun out by the barrel also, it, it seems sure. that they shot him. But, but I would say good shoot. I would say, I mean, someone's pointing a gun at you or, or pulling a gun out while facing you. Uh, I think you have a right to feel threatened. You know what I mean? I think whether you think that or not, the ulti- the, the worst thing here is that they shot six people behind. That him. is the problem. <laughs> yes. That is the problem I think everyone should be able to agree on, uh, is that downrange, they shot six people who did nothing. Yeah, six bystanders were shot in the process of shooting this guy. So, yes. like you said, whether it's a good shoot or not, those weren't. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, I, I think what were they in a diner? Is that is uh, a bar? It uh, seems like it was a bar. A bar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that happened. Uh, yeah. This and, is a. Uh, this is a. This is fucking ridiculous. Um, uh, multiple officers fired, and numerous bystanders were seen behind him. Uh, they shot at him seven times. Uh, <laughs> seven times and hit him I guess once because they shot six other people <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so uh, the bystanders are seen crouching mere feet from the suspect as he was shot so this it's not even that they were far away from where he was shot 
they just unloaded when in like pretty close proximity to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also some missing stuff. They say it's because of the video buffer. I don't know. Uh, you'd have to, yeah, some of these, it was just an axon system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an axon system. Uh, I don't know if I buy the buffer excuse because what they do is the, the, the camera is like constantly running and, mm-hmm. and dumping data off the back end for like the last 30 for the first 30 seconds or so. Right. Um, so when you reach up and start it, it, it starts it uh, stops dumping data off the back end for like the, the, the last minute or 30 seconds or whatever you set it to. Um, so I don't know if the missing audio is due to the video buffer or not. I would need to see proof of the settings they had on it. Um, mm. But in any case, uh, yeah, this, they, they definitely shot a bunch of people. Yeah. Because of one guy. They were yep. they were aiming at one guy. Now, as I, now I, again, again, I'm not necessarily saying that shooting that guy was a bad shoot. He was very literally pulling out a gun. So it's you know whether you agree with the 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 I would say the problems further back with the fact that cops are are there in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on what's actually happening there, um, and pulling a gun on a guy in the first place, but right. And honestly, <laughs> would he have tried to throw the gun out if if there weren't a bunch of infringements on the Second Amendment? Because right. the only reason you try and dump a gun is if you don't want to get caught with it. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's true, actually, because he pulled it. He pulls it out of his pants. Uh, so he obviously does not want to get caught with it. Exactly. It's, like, it's not out in it's not really out anywhere. He's not holding it. It, it, it's like stowed in his pants. Right. Uh, and he pulled it out by the barrel. He didn't pull it out by the, by the actual right. frame. Yep. He pulled it out by the barrel and dumped it. So the, yep. and the, again, the only reason you do that is if you don't want to get caught with it. Right. So if I'm, I imagine the, 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 he probably has a record and it was probably illegal for him to have the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, it's like, well, none of this would have happened <laughs> if we didn't strip people of their rights when they've supposedly served their debts to society. Um, right. as they say, <laughs> this is horrible. I, I can't find any information on the six people. Neither can I that all the information I've seen, they've not like given any information on them as far the only they're doing the whole like kind of like passive thing like, oh, shot by bullets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, several witnesses say officers shot randomly into a packed street known for its nightlife. And Denver police said three officers are on modified duty, meaning non-patrol assignment. So they stick these guys on desk duty. Uh uh, as previously reported, police have said that, quote, in the moment, they were doing what they could to stop violence and ensure po- uh, safety downtown, though they acknowledge, quote, something could have been done differently. <laughs> Imagine, like, you're ensuring safety downtown. Oh, what'd you do to ensure safety downtown, Dean? Oh, I shot, I shot, I shot six, six people. people. <laughs> I shot six people randomly uh, and only hit my target once. Yeah. Jesus. There you go, ensuring safety downtown. Excellent work, guys. This is the, yeah. this is the problem. Uh, again, it, it, the gun owners that I know actually know the fucking rules. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is it be aware of your target and what's beyond it? Yeah. That's like rule I mean, number two, I mean, right after keeping right. your fucking finger off the trigger. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you could say this is just like anecdotal, but uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about the Breonna Taylor case, one of the cops uh, ran outside the home and fired wild, wildly into, into the window. Yeah, he was firing window, into the window and, and like shots went through walls and shit. Where he could not see. Yeah. Not even aware of his target or what was beyond it. Yeah. Aware of neither. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Again, the, the, the people who own guns who I know, the, dude, cops are not good guys with guns. They're just no, not. They're not. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the people I hang out with actually are honestly, man, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day and he actually, um, uh, he was telling me about the time that he had to, uh, deal with people who were stealing out of cars in the neighborhood. And, uh, there were, there were these thefts going on in the neighborhood and, and someone had broken into my girlfriend's car at the time and, uh, took her bag. And so my dad's driving around the neighborhood thinking they're probably still here. They're probably hitting a lot of cars right now. And he found them. And he's told me, he was like, I'm glad I wasn't carrying because I don't know, like if I had tried to pull the gun on them to like convince them to stay where they were, like as an, as an attempted arrest until the police came or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know what could have gone down. And that's how people think like people are people like you've got a guy here who I've gone shooting with my dad a lot. Um, my, my dad knows guns. He enjoys guns. Mm -hmm. And yet he's still thankful. He didn't even have the opportunity to use one. Right. You know what I mean? That's how, yep. that's how people think who people who know guns and, 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 and own guns. That's how they think. So the, the, to me, it, it just seems that the average person, the average gun owning individual is, is more responsible than police by orders of magnitude. Yep. Orders of magnitude. And yet people still want the cops to be the only people who are armed. <laughs> oh, God. That, honestly, I, I, I've talked about this before, but I, I go back and forth on like what I think is uh, the worst liberal position. And I truly think it is the uh, insane idea that, uh, well, <laughs> for one, liberals to start with, and I, I tend to like side with this position that we live under a fascist state. And also, only the cops should have guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> only the cops should have guns because they're the you know they're the good guys with guns, and they the um, the the two sides of the good um, the two the spectrum from the hap the good guys with guns is one, they shoot people uh, they don't intend to. Yeah. They also shoot people who don't deserve it uh, intentionally, and. They also will sit outside the classroom and not shoot an actual bad guy while children are murdered. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, 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 the cops are not the good guys with guns. No. Never happened. It, it, it's, uh, it is a... Oh, God. I can't imagine... Uh, I just can't imagine this. I can't imagine being in this situation, first of all, but I can't imagine mm -hmm. not being aware of my target. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things you're constantly told when you're raised with firearms, you're constantly told this thing kills people. Mm -hmm. This thing kills people. That's what it's for. So, yep. so if you're, if you're using it, you intend to kill someone. Killing someone is always a possibility. 
with this with this tool. It's a tool for the killing mm-hmm. of people. So you have to be responsible. You have to be aware. And um, it, it's it, there's a there's a kind of of healthy paranoia that develops where you're always 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 thinking finger off the trigger, be aware of the target. Finger off the trigger, be aware of the target. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're always thinking that. And I can't imagine a situation where uh, where I would just fire at a guy with a bunch of people behind him not knowing anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it. I, can't, I cannot imagine doing that. And it's one of those things, you know, people argue, well, you wouldn't know what you would do in such a situation. And that's true. But I can say that I've been, since I was a child, (laughs) I've been being aware of my target and what's beyond it since I was a kid. So (laughs) I think that's pretty habitual at this point. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, uh, that's the thing, right? That's always the thing, right? Is that the average person has better, better gun safety than the cops who are supposed to be the trained protectors. Yeah, well, their training amounts basically to passing a uh, a uh, target test. Like I think it's once every couple of years. Right, but I, I would even say like even the even when they have more training, more training, they exhibit worse gun safety protocol than the average person. Does. Absolutely, <laughs> constantly, cases. constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, and again, not the good guys with guns. Mm-hmm. Never are. Never have been. Um, okay. Well, I was going to... This is what I was going to do. I was going to read you in on the Anne Heche death conspiracy. Yes. Um, I think I'll have to do that next episode. We've been going for okay. like two hours. <laughs> okay. Nothing about it. We talked about this a little bit before we started. Man, I no it idea. is... The 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 conspiracy circles are running wild with this one, man. It is crazy. Um, it's a confluence of a lot of interesting things that have been going on anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I think it. I think it's a discussion that should be saved for when we're not going to go two hours and thirty minutes, and my AC has been off for sure. for two sure. hours. <laughs> yeah, mine is also off. Those things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, uh, like I said, I have an intro. Did you hear the intro in the last episode? Or are you like me? Wait, sorry. I'm sorry, not the intro. Did you hear the outro in the last episode? Oh, oh, uh, no, I don't think I did, actually. Yes, okay. So you're like me, and you go back and you listen to specific... Do you go back and listen to specific points of the episode to see if you remember saying I, something wrong and then not listen to it anymore? Yes, I, I, I did. Yeah, I had not <laughs> listened to the full episode. or I think I listened to a lot of it, but not the... I don't think I listened to the very, very end. Yeah, that's one of the things I do is I'll and, go through and, and listen clear, to it. I usually bit. don't... In most podcasts, I don't listen to like the very, very end of it uh, yeah. for their outro either, so it's not just something yes. that needs to show. So, yeah. but I, there is one... Uh, but I forgot to put it on the uh, on the soundboard, so I'll put it in in post. Um, okay. And uh, okay, so do plugs, plug things. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at ace underscore arcist, and you can also find me on Substack at acearchist.substack.com. That's All it. right. Uh, you didn't do any appearances, I assume. Not this week. Nope. All right. Uh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Dean. You can find my friend uh, Pacing Joska, J-O-U-S-K-A on Twitter. 
Um, and uh, my show, Dino Files, uh, D-E-A-N-O-F-I-L-E-S, on uh, Alternative Internet Radio. Uh, the ARAD.io. I'm sorry. I keep spelling things. I don't know why I keep spelling. I forgot the order in which I do this outro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let me think. Uh, there should be an episode of Dino Files coming up before too long. I don't know how long it's going to be, and I don't know when I'm going to have time to record it because it's probably going to be about two and a half hours of talking about legal shit. Uh, which I don't even know if that's what people listen to that show for. So we'll see. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Oh, hey, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this was a great time. I hope people enjoy it. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Great conversation. Um, and that's it. There's an outro. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the end times continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.